Ask God to speak to you. Let's, let's pray together, then we'll read this passage of Scripture. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your blessings today. And Lord, we know that you want to speak to us. Lord, thankful for Pastor Decker and, and his family. And, and Lord, just their heart for you. And pray that you'd, you'd just bless them, Lord, as they'll be traveling back and keep them safe. And Lord, use him in a powerful way here in, in the heart of Alabama. And Lord, I pray that you'd <clears throat> now this morning meet with us in a special way. We need thy spirit. Lord, to do what only He can do, that, that we have no power to accomplish what needs to be accomplished outside of You. So Lord, I pray that You'd fill me with Thy Spirit today, guide me in what to say. There's things that I might would say that maybe doesn't need to be said. You'd take those things from me. And, and Lord, you just uh, direct me in everything that I say and do today that Your purpose might be fulfilled in our life. And I pray not a person would leave here today not having heard Thy precious voice speak to them. So Lord, in the next few minutes, may, may we just cease to hear man's voice and begin to hear the voice of God speak to us today and help us. Lord, I pray that you'd be magnified. We want to lift you up in, a, in the way that you deserve and magnify you today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The title of the message today is, is Lessons in uh, Life from Fishing in Luke's Gospel. How many of you like to go fishing? You like fishing? Okay. A few of you like fishing. All right. The, uh, I was never a big fisherman. My mother loved to fish. And so anytime she'd come up from Sierra Land, I'd always take her fishing somewhere. Uh, did I knock it off? Okay. I did something, didn't I? Yep, I hit the button. I heard it go dead. I know that's not it. I don't know, Brother Butch, you may have to come look at it. I, it won't come back on. She, um, that's good to have a guest speaker and he just tears up your microphone system. Amen. The, uh, uh, so I take her fishing. She loved to fish. And uh, the, in 2007, the Bassmasters Classic came to uh, Birmingham. They said that over 90 million people were watching Birmingham when that uh, Bassmasters Classic uh, went on. The background of our story is a fishing story. And the Lord's going to meet Peter and, uh, and probably Andrew is there. It doesn't state that Andrew is there, but it was the uh, partner to Peter, which was probably his brother, Andrew, may not have been. Uh, but we do know that James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were there. So uh, the, the, it starts off in verse number 1. Let's begin reading there. You read along with me as I read aloud. It says, And it came to pass uh, that as the, the, the people pressed upon him, uh, let me get that. And it came to pass as the people pressed upon uh, him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret uh, and saw two ships standing by the, by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of, out of them, and they were uh, washing their nets, and entered, and entered into one of the ships, uh, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when they had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draw. And Simon answered, and, uh, answered saying unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when he had uh, done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net uh, uh, break. 
And they beckoned unto uh, their partners, saying they, so we assume possibly Andrew was there with him, whoever Peter's partner was at that time, uh, which were in the other ship, they, uh, that they should come and help them. And they began to fill both ships so that they began to sink. And Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' feet and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and, uh, and all that were with him at the draw of fish, uh, uh, fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partakers, uh, partners with uh, Simon, and said unto uh, Simon, Fear not. <clears throat> and Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when he had brought their, when they had brought their ship to land, ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. So, here's Jesus coming out of uh, uh, coming out of the town, and and he he stops by the sea, sea of Gennesaret, which is a small. They may have had the opportunity to go over to Israel in, in uh, 2012. You can look all the way across the Sea of Gennesaret there and see the other side. And uh, they had been fishing, fished all night long. They caught nothing. And, and the Lord had been teaching the people. He had gotten in the ship, no doubt, launched out a little bit so they could all hear him across the waters. And uh, when he finished uh, uh, preaching and they went away, now he turns to Simon. He's going to have a, 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 a illustrated lesson for Simon. And, and he says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. And, of course, we know the story as we read. They caught so much that it began to sink both the boats. That's amazing, isn't it? And, uh, and Simon realized he's in the presence of, of a holy God. And uh, he humbled himself, said, Depart from me, uh, for I'm a sinful man. Out of this passage of Scripture, I think there's four lessons, probably many lessons that we can learn, but four things I want to bring out this morning about, um, uh, uh, about what the Lord was teaching them and what the Lord was teaching us. Why did the Lord give us this story? You know, why does he tell us a fishing story about, about Peter and them catching fish and, and, and the calling of, 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 of Peter and Andrew and, and if Andrew was there and, and James and, and John, the sons of Zebedee? What, what is he trying to teach us? What is his truth out of these things? And I think there's several things out of, out of their life that we, can, that we can understand. And I want to give those four things to you today. But I want you to notice, even though these men were professional, even though they had everything that they needed... Okay, they still caught nothing. And, and doing what God wants us to do with our life is not about us having great ability. It's not about us being professional in what we do. I think everything that we do for the Lord ought to be professional, don't you? It ought to be the very best that we can do. Uh, uh, but that's not the answer to doing things for God. It's all the, having the, uh, everything this, the most professional that it can be, even though that's right and it honors God. That's not the key. It's not knowing our profession. It's not being an expert at what we, at what we do. It's all about when the Lord steps in. When the Lord stepped in here, everything changed. Okay? Their whole night would have been a miserable night. You ever gone fishing all day and not caught anything? Hey, if I don't catch anything about the first hour, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm ready to go back to the house. I'm not a very dedicated fisherman. But the, here they had toiled all night long, caught nothing. But when Jesus stepped in, everything changed. And when He steps into our life, everything changes about our life. I remember as a 12-year-old boy, I, I grew up in church like this one and listened to the preaching. It was uh, three banks of pews and we'd sit about three-quarter of the way back on the right-hand side. And, uh, and uh, I remember as a 12-year-old boy, I began to get under conviction. God deal with me about, about salvation. But for a 12-year-old boy, walking, walking all the way down the aisle, that was a long way. 
And I can remember sitting back and weeping as my pastor would preach. And, and I wanted to be saved. I didn't want to go to hell. But, but that was just too far for me to walk. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get out and walk that aisle, come down to be saved. Well, that year, 1967, I went to camp. The only time I went to youth camp was in Central Alabama. And all of a sudden, on Wednesday night, the Lord showed up again, began to deal with me about salvation. This time, the, uh, that, that open-air tabernacle was just full of kids. Uh, and, and even had to set pews on the outside, and I was sitting like the second from the back, back pew on the outside. That night I began to weep and cry, and I knew that I needed to be saved. It's almost as God was saying, listen, this is a time. I've convicted you. You either get saved tonight or this is it. I just felt like the Lord was saying, now's the time. And, but, but now it was even longer. I had to walk all the way down in front of all those kids to the front. I sat there and wept and cried, and I'm sure everybody heard me. And a man walked up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, son, wouldn't you like to be saved? And I said, I sure would. He said, come on. We walked down the aisle, walked down, went on the right-hand side of the uh, uh, auditorium, uh, the platform, and to my surprise, my best friend that went with me that year, Jimmy Burkett, walked out with me. And he, and he showed us how to be saved. I, I knew how. I just not walked the aisle. I just not made that profession of faith. And I asked the Lord to come in my heart and save me. And I remember, even though it's been, it's been 50 years ago, I can remember walking back to the dorms that night and saying, Jimmy, isn't it good to know when you die, you're going to heaven? When Jesus came into my life, everything changed. My mouth changed, my, my goals changed, my, my whole life changed, my, my desire changed. And listen, when the Lord comes into your life, everything ought to change. Okay? So what's changed in your life? Do you know that you know? Listen, we need to know, amen, that, that we can't share others how to be saved if we don't know for sure that we're on our way to heaven. And we have to know that for sure. I was pastoring my first church in Roanoke, Alabama, and uh, that's right on the right on the Georgia border. <clears throat> and there was a couple that was there, uh, Lisa and Jerome, and Lisa played the piano. And uh, on Wednesday night, it was a, a, a church with two long banks of pews. On Wednesday night, I would just get everybody down on this bank of pew, and I'd get down from the floor, and I'd I'd, I'd preach on Wednesday nights. And I always give an invitation every service. I always give an invitation, and so. So at the end of the at the end of the service, I began to give the invitation. Uh, Lisa was at the piano; she was fixing to play. Jerome was sitting on the very back pew over here. Just pillars in the church; everybody knew them. Okay, and 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 as I began to give the invitation, before I ever really got started, Jerome stood up, raised his hand, and said, "Brother Kilpatrick, I'm lost." Now everybody knew Jerome's voice when he said that. You could literally hear people go. <gasps> everybody thought Jerome was saved. Everybody thought he knew the Lord. And, and he says, if I come down there, will you show me how to be saved? I said, I'm busy now, Jerome. No, I didn't say that. I said, yes, come on down. And so, so he and I went back to my office. I said, what's going on? He said, he, he said, I think it was like 11 or 12, 15 years ago, when I started dating Lisa, I knew that, that her, her daddy would not let me date her unless I was a Christian. So I came forward to be saved, and I've struggled all this time wondering, did I get saved just so I could date Lisa, or did I really get saved and accept the Lord? I'm tired of struggling with this. I want to get it settled tonight. Jerome got down in my office. We knelt down in a chair there. He bowed his head as a, as a 30-something-year-old man and, and, uh, and prayed and asked the Lord to come into his heart. Listen, you have to know, okay, when Jesus comes in, things ought to change in our life. And you have to know that. 
Now, once we know that, here's, here's some lessons that we learned. Let me give them to you very quickly this morning. First one is this. Look, in, look with me in verse number 5. It says, And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night. We have toiled all the night. Here's the first lesson. If you're writing it down, you can write this. Don't let your commitment be based on the outcome of things. Don't let your commitment be based on the outcome of things. We've toiled all the night. Listen, these men, they, as I said, they were professionals. They had all the possessions, had the right nets, had the right boats, knew what they were doing. They grew up doing this their entire life. And, and yet they could have walked away from that night saying, it's no use. Fishing just doesn't work. We're not going to do this anymore. I'm going to be a carpenter. I'm going to be something else. It just doesn't work anymore. They, they did not let the, 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 their commitment be based on the outcome of things. And so many times people get involved in, in, in God's work and even sometimes get saved and, and they get their life in church and it's all based on thinking that, that you know, if, if I make this commitment, if I start coming to church and, and uh, start, start trying to do right and the things that God wants me to do, that everything's going to work out right and it doesn't always work out that way. You know, over the last 50 years of ministry, how many times have I seen people come to church, their, their family's a mess and their life's a mess and, and, and they come to church and they think, boy, just getting in church and coming to church, it's going to solve everything, it's going to fix everything. And when it doesn't fix everything, when everything doesn't fall in place, they just quit and say, it doesn't work anymore. It's no use in doing it. Okay? I thought it would all be this way, that it would all be success, things would work out, and it hadn't worked out that way, so they, they just quit. I've got a message I'm developing saying church is not the answer. And it's not, okay? The Lord's the answer, okay? Not church. The Lord's answer. Is church important? Yes, and we ought to be here. Every time the doors are open, that's what Hebrews uh, 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 chapter 10, verse 25 says. But the fact is, is that just being in church, listening to the message, that's not the answer. The answer is Christ. And, and Christ in our life, these, these men did not let and we should not let the, the, our commitment be based on the outcome of things. Listen, don't, don't, don't uh, 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 let your faithfulness be based on, the, on how God blesses you. You know, does God want to bless us? No doubt about it. But understand that sometimes in our life we sow seeds uh, of, uh, of, of worldliness and seeds of destruction that even when we get right with God, there's still a crop coming up from that. Okay? There's still things that's going to be a result of that because we, we didn't sow the right time. Every time I touch this thing, it goes off on it. Let me put it in a different place if I can get it back on. You may have to help me again. I'm sorry. Yeah, I walk around quite a bit, though. So is it back on? No. Help me again, Brother Rife. And I promise I'll leave it alone this time. I'm going to put it somewhere else where I can't touch it. Yeah. One more time, and then I'll, I'll put it where I can't touch it. The, uh, we, shouldn't stop, uh, we shouldn't stop praying just because God doesn't answer all our prayers, amen? Because they don't turn out the way we ought to. Uh, we want them to. We shouldn't stop, uh, we shouldn't stop uh, giving just because God doesn't bless our giving. The, uh, 
the we shouldn't stop we shouldn't stop trying to reach others or pray for healing or pray for help just because just because God doesn't answer our prayers just like we want him to answer our prayers it, it, that our the outcome shouldn't determine our commitment we don't serve God uh, 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 in order to, we serve God because of, okay? Uh, let me say that again. We don't serve God in order to, we serve God because of, because of what He's done for us. We serve the Lord, not in order to get things. Listen, God's, uh, God's a, a good God regardless of how we may think that He answers our prayers. He loves us and cares for us, and everything He does is for our good and for His glory. And so we shouldn't let the the outcome of things determine our commitment to the Lord, Lord's work. So don't start serving the Lord just because it doesn't always work out the way you think it ought to work out. Uh, don't stop uh, doing what you're doing for the Lord or making those commitments just because the outcome is not the way it ought to be. Listen, when we try to reach others, it'd be great. There was a day and age in our, in our country where you could, you could witness to people and people would have some type of Judeo-Christian ethic to them and you'd talk to them about the Lord and, and, and they'd have a reverence toward those things and, 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 uh, and they would be sympathetic to what you're saying to them and you could win more people to the Lord because of their background. But we're in a different age today. Does that mean we're not supposed to do it anymore because, because it doesn't work maybe like it used to back in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and, and like that? No, we're not, we're not uh, uh, witnessing and trying to win people because in order for the, because of the outcome. Because we've got a goal that we want to win so many people in a year or like that. We don't do it for that purpose. We do it because God has commanded us to. Okay? And not because of the outcome of it all. Uh, the, the reason that we serve the Lord is in verse number 5 where Peter says, Nevertheless, at thy word, there's your answer. Okay? Why do we keep going? Why do we keep serving? Why do we keep praying? Why do we keep witnessing? Why do we keep serving God like we ought to serve God? At thy word, because God has commanded it. That's why we do what we do. Okay? Not because of the outcome. I mean, because, listen, there's going to be times in your life, Christian, when it's nothing. I mean, you pray and it seems like nothing. You, you try to serve and it seems like nothing's happening. There's going to be times like this in our, our life where he says, we've taught all night long and there's nothing. Okay? I mean, I've tried to witness to my neighbor a hundred times and there's just nothing. He doesn't respond. I've prayed this prayer for my kids and for my loved ones and for them to get right. And, 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 and so far, it's just nothing. There's going to be times in life when there's nothing. We don't determine our commitment because of that. We just keep going because God said to. Okay? God has everything in order the way he wants them to. We serve God and live God because, in order to, not because of. Let me give you the second lesson. The second is don't let failures cause you to stop casting the net. Don't let failures cause you to stop casting the net. He says, we've taught all the night, look at the next phrase, and have taken nothing. Don't let, especially past failures or even present failures, Stop you from casting the net. We need to keep casting the net. Keep serving the Lord. You know, again, they could have said, I quit. It's no use. They could have gave up at midnight. They could have gave up at the third watch of the night. And they could have just said, that's it. I'm not, we're not doing this anymore. Uh, uh, but the fact is they kept casting the net all night long. Okay? Don't, don't let your past failures, and we all have them, stop you from serving the Lord. You know, there are people who... who uh, struggle with all kind of addictions. Uh, it might be 
It might wind up being uh, some type of drug addiction, prescription drug addiction, or it might be some type of a of a, a moral addiction that they have or like that, or it might just be struggle with some type of besetting sin in our life that we struggle with. Don't let those past failures keep you from serving God. You know, that's why God put First John 1, 9 in the Bible. He says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. How many times have you ever come to Jesus and, and, and said, Lord, I'm sorry. This is, I know I've come to you time and time again for the same thing, and I'm sorry I failed again. How many times have you ever come to Jesus and said, nope, that was the last time. I'm not forgiving you anymore. Not one. And you never will. Okay. We can keep a short account with the Lord and, and, and not let our past failures cause us to quit serving God and living for God. You know, there, there are those who may have may have uh, uh, given up on, on, on some type of service in the past. Or I've heard of people who said, boy, God called me to preach when I was young, but I didn't surrender to the call. And, well, it's not too late to serve God the way God wants you to serve him today. Don't let past failures. Discouragement is a tool of the devil. The devil can get you discouraged saying, oh, I failed again. I've, I've messed up again in my life. I've, I've, I've uh, looked at things I shouldn't have looked at. I've said things. I've gone places I shouldn't go. And you let those things keep stop you right there. That's the devil's tool. Amen. Discouragement. Don't let past failures uh, uh, stop you from casting the net. God wants us to... Uh, confess John 1, 9, and many times our failures is what God uses us to draw us to himself. Okay. Now listen, you're not alone in that. Okay. You're not alone in doing those things. What did Paul say in Romans chapter 7? He said, oh, wretched man I am, that I am, I, I, the things I would not do, that do I. The things that I, I do, I wouldn't do those things. Who is able to deliver me from this body of flesh? I'm thankful that God is able to do that. He's, he's saying, even the apostle Paul is saying, I struggle with the flesh in my life. We all have that. But Paul didn't let those failures stop him. It may, it, it, he allowed it to make him turn his eyes on the Lord and say, I cannot do this by myself. Okay? I cannot overcome this by myself. I cannot live this by myself. I cannot accomplish this by myself. I need an almighty God in my life. And sometimes that's what God is doing with the failures in your life. But if you just let them discourage you and defeat you and you fall by the wayside because of that, that's what the devil wants. So don't let the the failures keep you from serving God, casting the net again and again, getting back uh, in God's work and, and, and confessing your sin and making things right with God and going again for him. I like over, and we won't turn over there for sake of time, but I like Luke chapter 10 where it talks about the prodigal son. And there's a prodigal son that went, went and, and, and uh, spent all his goods and found himself in a pig pen eating the husk that the swines did eat. And then the Bible says he came to himself. That's what God wants us to do. Come to ourselves. Come to a spiritual understanding. He says, there, how many servants, hired servants, uh, do my father have that have food to eat and more, and I sit here starving? He says, I'm going to get up and go back to my father. That's exactly what God wants us to do. Listen, when you fall by the wayside, when you trip up, when you fail, don't let that stop you from casting the net, from serving God. You just make things right with God and, and go back to him, and God will give you a fresh, clean start. Isn't it great? Every day we can have a clean start with the Lord. So that was the second lesson I think we can learn from these men in their fishing and endeavor. Let me give you the third one. Third one's in verse number 8. They, they let down the nets and... Uh, 
fill up both the boats, they began to sink. And in verse number 8, it says, And Simon Peter saw it. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Here's the lesson. Don't let your success make you prideful. Don't let your success make you prideful. You know, success ruins more Christians than failure. Success ruins more Christians than failure. If you're not careful, the devil will make you a success at something that has no eternal value. And you'll be prideful in it and never wind up being what you ought to be for God. Don't let success in your life cause you to be prideful. Listen, they had, I dare say, they had never had a catch like this one. They had never had a catch where they filled up both boats and they began to sink and they're still fished to get in. They couldn't get them in. But they, Peter didn't let it be prideful. When Peter saw what had taken place, that this was the hand of an almighty God, he humbled himself. And when God blesses us, even at times when he blesses us, we need to realize that we have nothing but what God has given us. If you're enjoying a measure of, of strength and health today, listen, that's a blessing from God. If you have the, the ability to work, if you have the ability to, to uh, uh, just live a normal life, that's a blessing from God. If you're able to, to help others, if you're able to teach a Sunday school class, if you're able to work on a bus route, a van route, if you're able to just serve God with your life, that's a blessing of God. If you have possessions and we all have them, those things are a blessing of God. We have nothing but what God has given us. We ought not be prideful about it. We ought to be the most humble people on the face of the earth that we have been so blessed of Almighty, Almighty God. We ought not let it make us be prideful. What happened to Peter and, and these men, I think, sometimes happens to many Christians, and that were they half-hearted about, about what they were doing. I want you to notice this, if you hadn't noticed it already when you read this passage of Scripture. In verse number 4, the Lord said to him, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural. Let down your nets for draw. Simon Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, we've toiled all the night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, that was pretty good, I will let down the net. He's half-hearted what we did. He did, wasn't he? The Lord said, let down your nets. The Lord knew what they were fixing to get. Peter said, uh, okay, I'm a professional. This. I'm just kind of, you know, you like to kind of put yourself in their place. Peter thinking, I've done this all night, okay? I've cast this net a thousand times all night, and there was nothing in it any time. Okay, at your word, I'll go ahead and cast out one more time, and, and just please you show there's not going to be anything there. And he cast out one net, and the net began to break. He caught so many fish. Is half-hearted. We cannot be half-hearted in our service to the Lord. We, we need to surrender ourselves to God and let God have his way in our life, not be half-hearted. Half-hearted surrender is wholehearted disobedience. Half-hearted surrender is wholehearted disobedience. Okay. How many, how many of you, if you had your kids when they were little and you told your son, go out and go out and and and, and take the trash to the trash can, and he goes out there grumbling and kicking and, and, and the dust and, and knocking over the trash can, and he does it, but he does it half-heartedly. How many would you say, no, that's obedience there. He's an obedient boy. No, 
He's disobedient. He did what he should have done, but he wasn't in obedience. He's only half-hearted about it. Well, God sees the same way. God not only sees what we do, but why we do it. And we ought to do what we do for the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our might, with all of our strength. Everything that we have, we ought to give it to the Lord. And, the, and, the, and realize how much God wants to bless us, even in that half-hearted obedience. Look what God did for them. Okay? God gave them the greatest catch of their life. An experience they'd never have again by just being obedient to the Lord. Look how much God wants to bless us. Okay? I like that verse in, in uh, Jeremiah chapter uh, 29. I think it's around verse 25 somewhere in there where, it, where the Lord says, I know the thoughts that I have for you. They are only plenteous and good that God wants to bless us. One of my favorite verses in the New Testament is, is Luke chapter 6, verse 38, where God says, Give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure you meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. God says, You give to me. Give to me your time, your talents, your, your treasures, and I'll bless that and give it over in abundance unto you. Why would we not want to do that? Simon didn't let this, this great catch of fish make him prideful. No, he, he was humbled at it all. We ought to be humbled at God working in our life. God has given you what you have today in your life to be used for him. And we won't fully understand the truth of that one day till we stand before the Lord. Everything we have in life is to be used for him. Our job, our time, our talents, everything is to be used for an almighty God. And when we get to heaven, I believe we wish we'd have used more of it for him. So don't let your success cause you to be prideful. Here's the last one. Don't let your response to God be wrong. Now, I think if there's any lesson in, in, in this story, this fishing story, that is probably the greatest lesson in the, in the emphasis where God puts the emphasis is this. Don't let your response to God be wrong. They could have thought, oh man, we are rolling in the dough now. Okay? I mean, this is well over a year's worth of fish. We are rich now. We have more than we could ever ask for. We, we have hit the jackpot. They could have thought that, but they didn't. That wasn't their response. The Lord said to them in verse number 10, he says, fear not from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Look at verse number 11 with me. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. I want you to notice those last two phrases because that's God's great truth for us in this passage. They forsook all and followed him. Their response was, they forsook all. You cannot follow him before you forsake all. Some people try to follow him and not forsake all. It doesn't work. The Lord said to the disciples many times, not to the twelve, not just to the twelve, but to all those who are his disciples in the New Testament. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, that's forsaking all, take up his cross and follow me. That, that we have to, first of all, forsake all. We have to forsake our past failures, our past successes. We have to forsake our sin. We have to forsake our own way. Uh, John chapter 12, I believe it is, the Lord says, 
except a, a seed fall on the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. That we have to die to our own way. We have to die to self. There ought to be a time in our life every day we ought to wake up and die to the Lord and, and forsake all. And, and, and then, and only then, can we follow Him. The problem is, is we, our flesh doesn't want to forsake all. We have a difficulty forsaking everything and following the Lord. We must forsake all to start with whatever it is that's keeping us from being what God wants us to be. We ought to forsake those things. And if it's keeping us from being what God wants us to be in our life, then it winds up being sin in our life. Susanna Wesley had, had 19 children. She raised them all. The most famous that we know of was John and Charles Wesley. And, but they all became servants of God and lived for God in some way. And she had this definition for sin. I want you to listen to it because it covers not only sin, but it covers what Hebrews says is the, the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. It says, she would teach her children, whatever weakens your reasoning, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes away your relish for spiritual things. If anything increases the authority and power of the flesh over the spirit in you, that to you becomes sin however good it is in itself. That's a pretty good definition, isn't it? That's, that's, that's forsaking all. Anything that would keep me from being everything that God wants me to be, doing everything that God wants me to be, I have to forsake or else I can't follow Him like I ought to follow Him. So these men were willing to give up the greatest catch they ever, uh, that they ever caught. They were willing to give up all their profession, everything that they have. They were willing to give it all up for, and then follow the Lord. And when they were forsook all, then they could follow Him. And they followed Him. They followed His Word. They were obedient to the Lord. Okay? And we have to follow His Word. We have to follow God's way in our life. That we're living for the Lord, serving God, being faithful to church, faithful in prayer, faithful in our Bible reading, faithful to God, obeying the Word of God. That's following the Lord in our life. You know, you cannot follow God outside this book. Amen? Okay. Uh, following God is not doing my thing. Okay. It's not living for God the way that I want to live for God. I remember knocking on a guy's door one day. I remember right where his apartment was. And when I talked to him about the Lord, he walked to the, uh, to the, to the door with a can of beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And he says, me and God have our own thing going. Well, let me tell you the truth. He and God didn't have their own thing going. Okay? God has one way going. You have to go his way. You and I, God doesn't make compromises with us. God is not in the bartering uh, business. God says, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Okay? And we're to uh, follow God and, and, and forsake all. Then we can follow His way. But we're to follow God's will for Him. And there's a key, an, an open secret in verse number 10 about what is the will of God and what is the way of God for our life. And this is it. He said to Peter... Okay? As well as he said to all of his disciples, regardless of who it is. But he said to Peter in this way, relating it to his profession of fishing. He says, fear not, last phrase in verse number 10. Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Okay? If you are going to follow the Savior, there's going to be one thing that you do in life, and that's catch men. Okay? Because that's what Jesus is doing. That's not only what Jesus was doing when he walked on this earth, but that's what Jesus is doing in the form of the Holy Spirit in our life. He is still the fisherman that's going after men today and women, boys and girls, trying to reach them with the truth of the gospel. And he said, Peter, I'm going to take you from being a fisher of fish and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And that's what God saved you for and saved me for, that we might reach people with the gospel. 
That's what we're to do today. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not following Jesus. Jesus is going one way, trying to reach men. I'm going my own way. I haven't forsaken my way and began to follow him. Because if I'm following him, he's after men each and every day. He's after people. And that's what God wants us to be. God wants our life to be about reaching other people. Listen, we, yes, what's happening in the Middle East may be the beginning of the end. I don't, I don't know, but our time, uh, as uh, we were talking about this morning, our time is short. And, and what we do for the Lord, we must do right now. There's not a day to waste. Listen, you may have the last opportunity this week to witness to that person on your job, to witness to that loved one, to witness to that person that we come in contact with. This may be the last opportunity to do that we must be fishing for for men that's what God wants us to do so let me ask you a question every week you and I pass the, uh, uh, thousands of people whether it's in a grocery store or Walmart or on our jobs or wherever during the week we just pass hundreds and hundreds of people how many of them have we witnessed to this last week how many of them have we said uh, uh, that we've handed a, a, a tract to and told them about there's there's the Lord is my shepherd. Hey, is he yours? Or God loves you or whatever track that you use. How many, how many people have we tried to share the gospel with to, to be the only roadblock maybe that, that is between them and the devil's hell? God wants us to be fishers of men. And I can't say that I'm following him if I'm not fishing like he is. So we ought to make a commitment. Are we willing to forsake our way? It's what I have to do in life so much more important than what God wants me to do in life. And that's reach people with the gospel. I'm not talking about surrendering to the ministry full time. I'm saying this is the job of just the average Christian. Amen. This is the job of the, just all of us that we're to be sharing this great thing that happened to us. You say, well, preacher, I, I, I'm not very good at, at, at sharing uh, uh, the gospel of people. Well, listen, get with your pastor. He'll train you. But the, but the greatest tool you have is your testimony. Do you understand that? Sure. Telling people how you accepted Christ. Because whenever you share your testimony, just like I'm sharing mine, that all relives in your heart. And it's fresh and it's new. And that life in you, that eternal life in you that you're rehearsing, all of a sudden comes across to them and the Holy Spirit begins to, to witness to them. Pray and talk to the Lord and tell the Lord how the Lord's dealt with you. Let God have his way today in your heart. Would you please respond to him? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll just deal with us right now.